Welcome to the Kim Doyle Show, where I believe business should be fun. Creating, marketing, and mastering your craft is as much about the day-to-day as it is about the big wins and even the epic fails. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all things content marketing, digital marketing, a little bit of mindset, and how to just show up by creating an online business and income that fits your lifestyle. What up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of the Kim Doyle Show. That was kind of a funny intro. I don't know where that came from. Today's episode, I'm really excited, which I'm pretty much excited often, but especially about podcasting. Uh, Today's episode is called Transitioning Out of Service Work. And this came from a question from a friend, uh, subscriber, customer, all those good things. Uh, So shout out to Tess. Thanks for this question. Because I really do. I love getting questions from people that inspire content, whether it's a podcast episode, a written post, or an email. So for starters, oops, I just knocked the mic out of my face. This is what happens when you talk with your hands. (laughs) Um, For starters, it makes me really happy that people feel comfortable enough to reach out and ask me a question, especially when it's something that, that strikes a nerve for them. You know, it's not easy to put yourself out on the line. And this is not necessarily one of those questions. But I I definitely get heartfelt emails that resonate with people. So that that means the world to me, it means that I'm on the right path. Um, So I just I don't know that there's a better compliment than being a safe space for someone when they need it. Truly, it's, it's an honor. And it's not something I take lightly. And so um, when I got this question, I was like, hey, I think I'll do a podcast episode. So here's a question. Uh, This is a question that inspired this episode. And I really thought it would be most helpful and beneficial if I answered it here. So the question was, how did you transition from a service company to a consultant or service to teacher consultant? And again, Tess, thank you for this question, because it, it it's a really, really good question. And I've told elements of my story, probably most of it, plenty of times. So I'm going to try to condense some of it for those of you who already know it. And those of you who don't, you're not missing anything. This is just going to be the Cliff Notes version. And I have a feeling it might be a long episode, which is why we're jumping into it today. You didn't get a lot of my randomness about weather or what I've been up to lately. So we're going to dig into it. So to refresh your memory, when I started my business in 2008, I thought I was going to be an information marketer. Here's the kicker. I was not technical at all, you guys. So this idea of starting an online business, people probably were like, okay, but I was pretty tenacious and had started other businesses, um, you know, a successful retail scrapbook store. I'd done some contract recruiting. I'd, I'd done a handful of things. So it wasn't so to do this wasn't necessarily out of the norm in terms of starting a business. Um, and when I say I wasn't technical guys, like I really, <laughs> I was like, how do you attach something to an email? How do I make a link in an email that to that degree? Right. So please know that I was simply committed to making this work. I, I, there was something about this space is as, as soon as I discovered it, that I was it just made me giddy. It was, and and maybe that's coming from a place of having worked in retail management for a long time. And then add to that, having my own retail business, physical store that 
you know, I never wanted to own keys to a building that I didn't own ever again. (laughs) And I don't want people waiting for me to, you know, there was that pressure of commuting and stuff anyways, but I love the idea that I could create something from home simply with my computer. I got to create my life and schedule the freedom, which has always been a big driver for me was there. And it was clear in 2008 to me who was not technical that this was the future that if I could figure this out, then this was going to be it for me. I had zero intentions of ever building websites, but one thing led to another. And within the first six months of starting my business, I'd become the WordPress chick and was building WordPress websites. Truly ignorance. Ignorance was definitely bliss for me guys, which I've talked about in terms of the copyright with putting WordPress in the URL, all of those things. And I just, it was, I didn't know what I was doing and I just shared the journey. It was kind of my MO. And I, I mean, I, but I started, I will tell you this, I started by bartering with websites and then there were $500 websites. Just it, it was one of those. So, but here's a quick rundown of that journey. As I began doing that, I started creating content and to the point where, <laughs> you know, my original content was crummy and I'll probably look back in five years at some of the content I create today and thank God I could have done that better. That's just part of how we learn, but it doesn't matter. I did it. So as I started creating content, I realized I didn't want to learn or code. Uh, I didn't want to learn to code. I didn't want to become a programmer. So I started hiring outsourcers. The next thing I knew I had a team. I started offering coaching and many of my coaching clients also wanted a developer designer they could use for outsourcing work. And so it kind of became this, um, like a bonus add-on, if you will, that if you coached with me, you could have access to my team. It was an additional cost, but it was a, it was comparable, um, not comparable, comparing it to U.S. developers and stuff. It was a, it was a great way, and a lot of the people I was coaching were in a similar type of business as myself at the time. And I will say this till I take my last breath on this planet. Clarity comes to the doing, which is where all of this led me. So around the same time, I had started my podcast, which was 2013. And I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there and tell you guys right now, I may be editing the episode number because I started back at zero when I went from the WordPress chick to Kim Doyle, but it's still me and it's the same format. So I may go back and edit that. So if you go from episode 57 to next week, it's 236. Just know that's why. So that may be coming. All right, back to my point. So I started the podcast around 2013. And this is when I felt things starting to shift. Meaning I knew there was something else I was supposed to be doing beyond what I was doing. I have always had this this call, this pull in me to live an extraordinary life. And when I say that guys, I don't, I don't necessarily mean, you know, cars and jets and yachts or whatever. And if you want those things have at it. For me, it was the travel and the experiences and yes, the income. Absolutely. And I'm not saying I don't like nice cars and nice things. So don't get me no judgment. But the point is, I've always felt that. And that really started happening for me when I launched the podcast. And I launched the podcast because I wanted to have more fun. Obviously, I'm somebody who prefers to be the star than the producer. I don't, 
apologize for that anymore. It's my personality. It's who I am. And I feel that I was put on this planet to create and inspire. That's that's it. I I really do. Like I got very clear on that. And I want to inspire other people to live a big life, whatever that looks like for them. So because of the podcast, things really started, I would, I don't want to say blowing up, but you know, mainly because I found myself really enjoying my business like I hadn't in a long time. And I just wrote a a podcast post on Content Creators Planner called The Power of Podcasting. It's not what you think. Because the power of podcasting really comes down to the connections, relationships, and the relationship you create with your audience and your listeners that it it was it was really sweet. I had a gal who has uh, purchased a one off coaching session with me. She's on our content creators list. But she said, you know, she started listening to the podcast and, and she, she shared a bunch of stuff in an email with me and said, you know, I hope this isn't too much. I feel like I know you because of listening to the podcast. That's the magic of podcasting. I feel like it's in this intimate medium, right? It's, it's this, if someone's willing to, to take me with them while they're out and about, I don't care if it's the gym or shopping or driving or whatever, and willing to listen to me for an hour, that's like, that's my ideal audience. All right. So I found myself really loving what I was doing and my business started growing because my relationships were growing. And I, at the time did every other week, it was solo show interview, solo show interview. This is going to be a whole lot more solo plus interviews, of course. And it's just because of where I'm at. And it's what I feel is right at the time at at this time in my life. So at the time, I would say, gosh, I, I want to say there was probably only five of their WordPress podcasts in 2013. So it didn't take much to get recognized. And I'm going to tell you guys this too. I wrote this in the post also. And that is that there, it's still uh, uh, an amazing time to launch a podcast, which did you know podcasting has been around since 2004? I didn't until I wrote that post. <laughs> but most people, and I don't say most people. Let me, let me, let's do a scratch that many people start it and then they quit. So there's still plenty of, if you're willing to stick with it and it doesn't matter if you do seasons or, you know, regular, like I'm doing, but it, it doesn't matter how you do it. Just be willing to, to stick with it. And guys, I've had times when, like when I lost my mom, I stopped podcasting and it was just there, there, you know, and it wasn't, I had no intention of quitting, but I had to stop. That was it. So when you have a relationship with your audience, they're going to be there. That was a total off script. Let's circle back here. So I continued with websites and the outsourcing company until the end of 2016. And during that time, between 2013 and 2016, I had also launched a done for you podcasting service called influence podcasting, which I will admit was a pretty great name. And I love the branding. I have let the domain go all of that. I I tend to be what you're going to see. I'd talk about later. I'm a burn the boats. I draw a line in the sand for myself, but so I let the domain go. And I did, when it comes to, to service work, I preferred the podcasting over websites, but it was still service work. And I had great luck with that. And I worked with Jason Hornung and we ran, we spent a lot of money on ads and it was a higher ticket offer. We, we still provided the editing and the post and got them going and all of that, but it was still service work. And one thing I hear over and over again from people who are doing service work, but they're not loving it because the truth is there are plenty of people who prefer it. And so it's not necessarily about service work 
being better or worse than coaching, consulting courses. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. You know, there are plenty of people that have agencies and love it. And it's a great business model. And they have done it well and profitably. But the thing that I hear all the time from people who are doing that work and don't necessarily want it to be the work they do is that they never have time to quote unquote work on my stuff because I said that all the time too. And for me, I had to so I started in 2008. It was probably around 2011, mid 11, 12 that I had to, um, I set up accountability and my therapist, God bless her. Let me, I emailed her every week because I made some commitments to how I was going to make this happen. And for me, it was no client work before noon. I couldn't do it. My, my brain operates very differently the first part of the day versus the afternoon and evening. I also like having, like, I'll hit a, let's say I'm recording this at two o'clock in the afternoon. Probably when I'm done, I'm going to go take a break. I've been on my computer all day in my office. And then I shift to my family room and my laptop and, I, I keep going with task stuff that doesn't require the creative energy that the first part of my day usually does. And so I had to really make a commitment to myself that no client work before noon. Um, but it, it really, it took me a while to cut the cord guys. So just keep that in mind. And the, the trick with this is that it's a bit of a catch 22 when the work you don't enjoy doing, that was a mumbly sentence. The work you don't enjoy doing is paying the bills and the work you'd rather be doing hasn't started bringing in income. The catalyst for me, and I am one of those people, I'm just going to lay this on the line that I do need to draw a line in the sand or I set myself up for maybe a painful exit because there's no other way. Like I won't quit. I won't just quit something or like, and I do it. And I, I've got a history of this. And I'm not saying I quit a bunch of things, but it's hard sometimes to justify to yourself. Let's We won't even go down the whole psychology of why we do things for other people. And I will say, obviously, I'm widowed. I've shared that story. But not having a partner to answer to makes it a lot easier. And, and so I respect that there's that challenge too. But the catalyst for me was when I decided to partner and launch a SaaS, which is software as a service for those of you who don't know, with a friend. And I'm sure many of you remember that journey as well, because I'm, I share my journey, you guys. That's one of my favorite types of content. And I hope that it inspires, amuses, and teaches. That, that's kind of my goal with all of that. But um, the company was called Lead Surveys, and the product was an opt-in that segmented subscribers from the first point of contact. I did an entire podcast episode on why that didn't work. And I am happy to say that I'm still friends with Gordon, who was the guy that I partnered with. And, you know, there's many reasons. We both had a lot of personal stuff going on in the year and a half we were doing that. But the cool thing, I I love doing this, and I highly recommend you do this anytime you can, but is is to, once you're on the other side of something, is to step back and go, wow. What wouldn't have happened had that worked? And obviously we don't have a crystal ball, but here's a, here's a handful of reasons I can see that it was a good thing that it didn't work out. But a few of them are, first of all, ConvertBox does everything we wanted lead surveys to do. And I love that tool. Sorry, it's so dry up here, guys. This is another reason I don't think I'll be staying in Boise. Plus then it's cold and you got the heater on. <clears throat> 
Software support sucks. I'm just being honest, right? Unless you have, okay, I do have my right with my circle, my line through it on the computer, but clearly I'm not paying attention to it. It's tough. It's really, really tough, which is, I, I've always been floored when people get mad that they have to pay to renew a software license or, you know, WordPress. It took a while for the WordPress community to shift from everything being free to people being okay with paying and now people being okay with renewing licenses. But it's really, really tough. And so when we originally, oh my gosh, maybe I should not be talking. <laughs> oh Lord. Anyway, when we originally launched it, it was the two of us and he has a, he had people on his team, but I was the one answering emails and doing beta with people. And it was just, ugh. and I'd, here's the thing I'd gotten out of the website work where, so I had a team of outsourcers. And so, so many times in the evening I was putting projects and tasks into teamwork. I did not want to spend my evenings like that. And here I was doing it again. So I'm just going to say that, that software support and here, it's not that it sucks. It sucked for me. It's not my wheelhouse. And so you have to have the right people in place to help with support. Maybe that's a more adult answer. Um, the other thing is, while I thought I was launching lead surveys, I had started this little Facebook group called Content Creators. And I did it with zero expectations because I was thinking this whole time, I'm building a software. This is fun. I'm, I did it for myself. I wanted to see that I could show up and be consistent. And I, I've been saying this for a while. Jody and I are going to sort of do a, a group reboot probably after the first of the year. It's going to keep going, but we're shifting quite a bit in there. And it's an extension specifically now of content creators planner. Um, and then most importantly, it's probably safe to say that had lead surveys taken off, I would not have launched the content creators planner. And that has just, wow, that's been a game changer. And I've talked a lot about that, but it, I, you know, so you have to trust at some point, I am a big believer in trusting the process when you're in it, it's, it can suck when you're in it. It can be hard to see the force of the trees or wonder why this thing that you wanted to work isn't working. But because I had made the decision to go all in with lead surveys, I had also wanted to shut down the outsourcing company. Even though it didn't really involve a lot on my end, I knew that I needed, this is where I needed to draw the line in the sand, so to speak. I had a couple of web projects still going on that I knew would wrap up by the first quarter. We are now at 2017. So by the first quarter of 2017, um, I knew I would be done, but I didn't really have much else planned. I truly thought I was going to be working full-time on lead surveys as well as my personal brand, which this is about the time that I started also pivoting to Kim Doyle from the WordPress chick. So I had other income coming in, but you guys, it was not a lot. And I did not have this big, crazy cushion, but I, I, I knew that I needed to do this. To say those couple of years were lean would be an understatement. And here's the funny thing, though. It's amazing when you realize how much you don't need and what you're willing to do. And for myself, I wanted to keep I wanted my business more than I wanted stuff. I, I really am at that place. And the more in alignment I got with how I wanted to feel in my life, and, which meant, I mean, the thought of commuting in the Bay Area was nauseating in and of itself. But um I, I, I just knew I needed to, to do this. And 
I truly, I, here's the thing. I would always, I would always get excited about new web projects because I was excited about the possibility of what they could do with their business, which was pretty much always the case. I would get excited about, okay, and you could make this offer and we could do this with email and all of those things. And that was before I really was deep into, I feel today that my skill set and my results speak volumes compared to then. But I, I, I knew then the possibility and I did not want to be, and this sounds horrible, but this is how I felt. So know that this is my own quote unquote stuff in my brain, but I felt like the hired help and i never wanted to feel like the hired help. I wanted to be the trusted expert and, you know, but I was at a point guys where I would have rather have had a job than continue doing what I was doing with websites. It just felt like this, it just was not what I wanted to be doing. So we'll leave that at that. Um, I truly hated what I was doing in terms of service work. And I will tell you this, for the most part, I loved my podcasting clients. I've got some great friends from that. Um, The truth is though, podcasts are not treated like a commodity the same way a website is. It just is. I've never... I can't think of another industry or space where people treat websites like people who know nothing about what you do are going to decide the value of what it's, it's weird. It's weird. And obviously the more you pay, this is just a fact. Also guys, the more you charge for something, the better your customers. And I'm sorry. And I'm not saying that if you're selling a template set for, you know, 30 bucks or something, that's, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about the bigger ticket service work that if somebody wants to nickel and, dime you for little things. Here's a better way to explain this. People that were willing to spend $5,000 or more were always easier than the people who wanted to argue over a $1,500 project, just the way it is. Um, I'm sure I could have gone down the agency route and learned to sell higher ticket projects, but I did not love the work. So why would I invest more time and energy into learning that? Enough said, right? And I actually wrote right in that sentence. So that wasn't an error on my trying to get rid of that word. I'm not saying this is a route everyone should take, but it's just really always been who I am. I tend to burn the boats. And if you're not familiar with the burn the boats, I'm going to give you a quick synopsis and there you can Google burn the boats and the story behind it. So I'm going to probably botch this, but basically there are two ships that go that end up on an island. This is, you know, in the days, I guess, of pirates. I have no idea where this came from. But the one of the commanding officers said to his crew, go burn our boat, because he knew that the only way for them to get off the island and live was to win and take the other the opposing side's boat home. So that's where burning the boats comes from. All right. But let's let's shift now because Little, enough storytelling, right? Let's make the shift. I want to talk about making the shift and what I would do differently. Uh, so during this time, I started getting more into courses, but I still really didn't know what that looked like. I'd done a few beta runs of some courses. One was Everything is Content, which I'm revamping next year and will become a signature course. Um, I had some coaching clients that I was getting by, but it was during that time that I came up with the idea for the Content Creator Splinter. And let me say this too. So I don't know if you need the timeline. Maybe I should have put one in the post. But it was end of 2016, I made the decision. Thought I was launching a software program product. And it was a year and a half 
of developing the software that then we launched it. And then we said, this isn't going to work. We don't want to do this. <clears throat> so now I'm, I brought you sort of, that was up to like kind of summer of 2018. And it was disheartening at the same time. I felt more relief than anything. And I probably miss chatting with Gordon more than anything because he's funny, but it was, it was more that I had really started falling in. This is where the, the falling in love with content. I had the group going and it was at the end of that summer, August, truly when I reached out to Jody and that we took the leap, I had come up with, I had thought about a content planner in the spring of 2018, but didn't do anything about it because I thought I was launching a software program. And keep in mind, you guys, I had never run an e-commerce business or sold a physical product. But I knew in my gut it was a good idea. And I've told that story in a million places. But two years later, we have a fantastic brand, product, and business. But that's really only half of what I do. And we went, and this is, I've repeated this quote a ton also, nothing is more powerful than I than an idea whose time has come. And I'm going to tell you, every time I listen to my gut, every time something hits me and it comes from inspired action versus I need to make money. What can I make? What can I create? Every time it comes from inspired action, it works. Every time it doesn't, it doesn't work. I don't know if that's woo woo or not, but it, it's, it's been my experience. And I think most people would agree. And it's, it's allowing yourself that space, which I am so adamant about having a certain amount of white space in my life because it allows me it just, it allows me the clarity that I need. Um, anyway. All right. So let, let's go back to this. So I had never run an e-commerce business or sold a physical product. We went from idea to fruition in four months, literally like end of August to launching a failed Kickstarter, but we pivoted. We had, I don't know, $1,500 in sales on New Year's Eve. What does that tell you? Like we... We, we got it done. And then we had the physical planners in our hand by March. And it's just, <coughs> excuse me, it's been a wild ride ever since then. <coughs> so sorry. Uno momento. Need a little water in there. Um, you guys, I've had plenty of years. It trips me out when I think in March of 2021. Hello, I can count March. It'll be 13 years. It blows my, it blows my mind. But I've had plenty of years where there were massive personal challenges. I talked about losing my mom, which just wrecked me. And I went, got high school with my son was really, really tough. I'm really happy to say he's doing fantastic. Um, but there's just been upheavals, huge wins, major losses, relationship lost. And I don't mean through, through grief here. Um, but just, you know, some relationships are not meant to be friendships, whatever it is, those things go sideways. It's part of life, letting people down, feeling laid down. Like none of that goes away. We are human beings running a business. I, I don't know that. I don't know how people separate personal and business. Kudos to you. I get boundaries. That's, that is important. But all of that is what's brought me here. And needless to say, none of it's been easy. Well, you know, I, I, I say that, but I will tell you that the things I love doing feel easy. They feel really fun. So we'll go ahead and just leave that there. But it's all been worth it because of where I am today and what's coming. First, though, let's talk a little bit about what I would do differently, <clears throat> which is I have talked 
about time and time again. But fortunately, you know, guys, life is not static, meaning I've talked about what I would do differently. I've done full podcast episodes on what I do if I were starting my business today. Life is not static. It's fluid. We change our goals change. Ideally, as we get better, we do better. So when I'm practicing, here's an example, five years ago, you would not heard me preaching about the importance of copy, copywriting. Uh, It's different. I've gotten better. I put a ton of time and energy into it. I'm fascinated by it. So I'm at a point in my life where I have to love what I'm doing. And I am also done, done, capital D-O-N-E, with trying to appease everyone. The The recent launch of my newsletter, hashtag F the hustle, is a perfect example of where I'm at. And here's a quick little story for you on that is that came out of, and this is where guys, I want you to look at, I promise I'll finish the sentence, but I want you to look at things you've done in the past and where, like, take the time to really reflect and look at this because F the hustle was developed six, six years ago. When did we do that? No, that was probably four years ago. Um, but when I, I've also, I'm kind of going all in with just show up. I don't know why everything is a hashtag with me, guys. It's fun. But hashtag just show up. I've got a coaching and mastermind that's coming. And when I went back, I looked back at at when I was thinking of pivoting to Kim Doyle from the WordPress chick in 2014. That's where just show up. I had find your voice and vision, all of this languaging and messaging that is so in alignment with who I am today, but I wasn't ready at the time. So I'm I'm sharing these little snippets with you and the F the hustle came out of a, a hustle free podcast. And I, 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 it's a movement for me, truly F the hustle is a movement. Okay. So those are little stories about things that you may have created, revisit them. And I hope you've got those in those times where you've come from inspired action to create something that sets your heart on fire. You deserve it. There's absolutely no reason you can't have a business that sets your, sets your heart on fire. So the F the hustle, I had been wanting to do a newsletter for Kim Doyle. I don't know, probably a couple of years, to be honest with you. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what I would call it. And I I read newsletters. I like them. I think it's a, it's a great way to provide value to your audience when you're aggregating content and sharing other people's stuff. It's a, it's a quick win to become a trusted expert. And we've had, we've now published 20 episodes of creativity published on content creators planner and people love it. So I had been thinking about doing this and here's what inspired this. You guys, this is, I hope you don't mind the off script stories. It's just how I roll. I don't know why, but I've gotten, I've regressed to a five-year-old who loves hot cocoa and whipped cream. I think it's because I'm somewhere where winter really feels like winter. Although I'm not today, I am fasting today, but that's a whole other story. Okay, I, I do intermittent fasting and I'm on day one of what is attempting to be a 72-hour fast. We'll see what the outcome of this is. So far, so good. Anyway, I <laughs> have been having hot cocoa at night and I'm pretty bad. The dogs now know when they hear the tea kettle at night that they're going to get a little dollop of whipped cream in their bowls too. <laughs> This is so much insight into me you do not need, probably. So I had my hot cocoa one night, and we had had F the hustle, but it's the word written out. It's not hashtag F. 
it's the word, but it's F like the at sign and then the pound sign. So it doesn't actually spell the word, but I had hot cocoa and a nice little dollop of whipped cream on the top. And I took a picture and I shared it and I got calm. Oh, I love that mug. I love that mug. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I like this too. I like it too. And so it hit me. This is, this is it. It's my newsletter. I have to hustle. This is my newsletter. Well, here's the crazy thing, guys. So when I decided that, and I had had a logo from my designer that I worked with for years that she has four kids now, but man, she just got me. And so I took a logo she had done. It's hashtag F the hustle. And I showed a friend. He's like, oh God, that logo is great. And he's like, do you think people will be offended? I'm like, I don't care. And I had announced it in an email. And as soon as I announced it, I instantly got a, oh my God, I love F the hustle. So it was funny. Like I got a, is that negative? Is that whatever? Then when I, was it, bear with me, because I don't know if, I think it was the first issue. I've now published two. Um, it goes out every Thursday. And I got two emails back, one, and for what it's worth, they were both super nice, respectful emails. One woman said, you know, she really doesn't like that word, no matter how it's inferred or used or whatever. Mind you, it, maybe it's forget the hustle. It's not, but you know my point. And so she said she was going to unsubscribe. Totally got it. Another guy said, you know, I understand why you're doing this. You know, maybe it's basically it was kind of like, not really my thing, but he was still super respectful. And I responded and I said, I appreciate the feedback. I, I feel this is right. Since then though, (laughs) the, oh my God, I love this has outweighed that sort of a, like, you know, 10 to one. It's, it's been crazy. The responses that I'm getting comments on the issues on the blog posts. It's, I get responses to the emails. I mean, it's, it's been validation that when you trust what's going on inside of you, people need to hear it. And there's a reason you feel inspired to do that. Okay. So this is where I'm done appeasing people. And this is going to fall in line with the one thing that if I could, if I could wish you do anything, I'll, you're going to hear what it is. But the F the hustle sums up where I'm at is kind of my point. So there are certain skills you need to have a successful online business, or you need someone who can do these things really well. And I'm going to bullet list these, and then we're going to focus on one. And I think what I may do is, I don't know, I think I might do a free audio course, not a free audio, I don't know, sessions, maybe some sessions. Ooh, I like that. Stay tuned. All right. So here's the first thing writing. And I will say this as long as I'm in business, get good at writing all the writing content, emails, copywriting, get good at it, practice it and spend the time to get it right. And you may say, I want to hire someone to do that. Great. If you've got the funds and the money, have at it, hire someone to do that. That's not what I'm saying, but you also need to be able to articulate and explain who you serve, the problems they have and how you solve it. So that's, that's a big one. But writing will contribute to better podcasts, better content across the board, better video. And people think audio and video separate. Uh -uh. You have to be able to think about it. Think about it. Okay. You publish a podcast episode. You still have to have a good title. You still need a good description. Ideally, you're emailing and sharing it socially. So writing is key. And probably the first step for a lot of people, and it's funny because Tess, who inspired this whole episode, is a writer, so I'm not worried about her. 
But there are so many people that will just say, I can't write, I can't write, I can't write. You guys, I wouldn't say like I'm a stellar writer. I always did fine. But it wasn't until I started practicing copywriting and looking at it and playing with it. And oh my gosh, it will make the biggest difference. So writing is number one. Number two is messaging. And this is one of those things that I call, quote unquote, behind the scenes, mainly because it requires a lot of work to get it right. And truly, until you've put your tagline or your unique value proposition on and copy on your site, it feels like a waste of time because it it feels, it's kind of like, um, da, 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 da. I, can't, I can't think of a real life analogy. I was really trying there, but it's tough. You're sitting here doing, whether it's, you know, start with Donald Miller's uh, mystorybrand.com where you can go in and you figure out who is the villain and and how do I solve their problem and all of these things and coming up with, it's figuring out that piece. And remember that messaging, you can't really even touch the messaging until you know who you serve, what their problem and pain is and how and why you're the one to solve it. So you have to take the time to do this work. Every single person that I've seen that's been around this space that doesn't produce content consistently, that is in a quote unquote, kind of a struggle, struggle mode, if that makes sense, meaning they have some success, but they cannot seem to push the needle further. They can't seem to have something that does well or launches or the audience growth is not there. It's because they've not gotten clear on messaging. So I'm going to just leave that there. And yeah, I think I need to have, um, I need to reach out and have Michelle Hunter back on the show. All right. So first, again, we said writing, then messaging. The next one is selling and this deserves its own section. And so we're going to get to that in a minute. That, that is truly the thing I want to focus on today. And that also includes customer acquisition, which we'll address. And I'm going to say this because I won't forget, it's not in the post, but Russell Brunson has said this a lot and that he heard it from Dan Kennedy, who you don't know was a big direct response marketer guy. Passed away just this year, I think, or last year. Anyway, the person who can spend the most money acquiring a customer wins. So we're going to leave that there, but that is not to say that you have to be able to spend $100 to a car customer. That's not what I'm saying. Um, So selling, we're going to get into, it was in my bullet list here. Next up is traffic. Without traffic, your business is not going to survive, period. There are multiple types of traffic. And again, to quote Russell Brunson, he refers to traffic you own, traffic you don't own, and traffic you control. I'm paraphrasing, so I I may have botched that. But at the end of the day, if you're producing and you have something to sell, you have to get eyeballs to it period. And what I'm going to tell you is you have to spend the time and energy on properties you own as well. You do not own your Facebook group. You do not own your followers, all of that stuff. The goal should always be to get them back to a property you own, excuse me. And to, to the point, another example of this is when Jody and I worked, we've worked with two ad agencies. Now we're running our own ads for the planner again. And the first agency had this proprietary software that they had developed and it wasn't ready for WooCommerce at the time. So they wanted to put it on ClickFunnels and we're like, yeah, but you got like a month. Like we, 
if we're going to be spending money to drive traffic, we want it going back to a property we own. We don't own ClickFunnels. And I'm not saying don't use ClickFunnels. My point is make sure that's a piece of it. So you have to have traffic. You have to have traffic, guys. Audience growth. This is obviously relative to traffic, but you need an audience. Start with your email list, please, please, please. I heard this for years and I sort of did it, but I didn't really understand the nuances behind doing this well, meaning list growth, staying in touch with your list, finding out what their pain points are, communicating regularly, and audience, again, being able to grow your audience on the platforms that you like spending time on. You do not, I don't care. Could you be on everything? Yeah. But unless you have a Gary Vee team of 25 people, it's tricky. So you have to find that balance. Is it more valuable to create a piece of content than that you go promote hard for a month? Yep. Versus promoting it, you know, then showing up and engaging everywhere. Engagement matters too. I'm not saying that. So it really does not matter what industry or niche you're in or how great your product is. These are all necessary. The trick is figuring out how they work together what order to do them in, and then how to get them and keep the machine running. I've gotten so um, interested in automations and not because I'm hands off, but the truth is without them, you can't scale and grow. So as an example, content creators planner. So we spend money to acquire the customer on the front end. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of our processes there, but we have purchase follow-up sequences. We have spent a lot of time and energy on those emails, on the language, on getting them set up an active campaign, on abandoned cart sequences. We've spent a lot of time doing that because it works. We make money with those purchase follow-up sequences. We make money with our newsletter. Every time we send an email, we make money. I'm just saying. And, you know, I... I think I could probably do an entire episode on each of those points I mentioned. And this is where my aha, I came up with this, but I do think I'm going to do audio sessions. I'm excited because I know exactly where it's going to fall into an offer. Okay. So I'm going to do some audio sessions on all of those points, but I I do want to focus on selling because it's not a natural comfort zone for me. And it's because I didn't know how to do it and I was doing it wrong. And you see all this stuff out there all the time about how to sell without being salesy. Or how to sell without being smarmy, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm pretty sure I've said this again. So I hope you guys are just rolling with my redundant statements. But who do you know that creates a product or a program or a service and they go about saying, I want to be as smarmy as possible? <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it's, you know, one of those trite things that just keeps getting said. Anyway, selling is not smarmy. It's around us every day, all day. It's part of how we move through this world. Go to the grocery store, Amazon. Here's a little creepy Amazon for you. A couple things I'd looked at, two books. And one was, um, so there were two books that I think I put on my list. And then... I have a book list in Amazon. The other one was (laughs) all these random stories. I'm sorry, you guys, it's just my brain today, but is, um, it's a Harry, it's a Hogwarts by department 56 is a company that creates these like cast resin villages and stuff, right? I have a Christmas village. I had a Halloween one. I sold it. The Christmas village I've been collecting for years. My dad has a Dickens village minus the Santa's village. Anyway, 
I was, I fell over because I was like, what? There's a department 56 hall, Harry Potter village. I was geeked. Anyway, Amazon, I'm on Instagram stories earlier today. Sure enough, stories, Amazon sponsored two books and the Hogwarts castle. I was like, what the what? This is creepy. Anyways, selling is around us all the time. Now, if I didn't do this for a living, I may have just been like, wow, that's crazy. Or, oh, wow, that's weird. Whatever. But I don't think I would have been like, damn, this is amazing. I I just, we're living in a time where we can sell. It's the language and messaging you use and the intention behind why you're selling what you're selling. If you have a product that solves a problem for somebody, I truly believe you've got the responsibility to sell it. This is also where all the points I mentioned started work. They start working really well together. So as an example, it's a hell of a lot easier to sell when you're clear on your messaging. Again, the messaging I want to refer, I want to remind you, it includes who you serve and the problem you solve. You cannot create the right message if you don't know that. And Jody and I, I don't know where we talked about this, but as we were working on content creators planner, we, we zoomed a lot. We literally had a six hour session on a Saturday where we worked through the story brand and got clear on the problem and who we solved and all of that. That was our foundation for the copy on the website, the copy in the book. And I'll tell you, we don't reinvent the wheel. We might find a different way to say it, but we go back to everything we've already created because it worked and we took the time to do it. So I spent way too many years half-ass selling or not making offers frequently. And I'm, I'm so over it. Keep in mind, when I'm talking about offers, this does not mean you have to have a new offer. You don't need to be coming up with new stuff all the time. That's not it. You just have to make the offer and you have to make it frequently. And I always think back to when I got into what it was Ben Settle that really got me into emails when I was doing my almost daily email. And he sells a physical newsletter called Email Players. I watched him for a year and a half and he emails every single day and inevitably... 97% of the time, he's it's got a link to subscribe to email players. So sign up for email players. Sign up for email players. That's it. That's his one call to action. And it works. And so Jody and I have a funny saying now um, where we could just go, this shit works, <laughs> right? And we, Jody's been in business for 27 years. It's, it's sort of a new phrase we've been using because when you take the time to do things correctly, it works. So to be more specific... And I know I've told this story too. One of these days I may stop pre-qualifying stories I've already told. Uh, when I sold my list explosion course this past summer, I used Ramit Sethi's breakthrough launch email framework. Now, it's the when I say email framework, it's a part of his breakthrough launch course. He's got the emails and based on the price point and what type of a launch you want to do, he's got examples on email. So I knew that I was going to do it uh, over two weeks. And so that was the, uh, the email. That was what I was planning on doing. I've been following Ramit for years and I know how much time he puts time and energy puts into what he does. The other factor that I had never spent a lot of time on, but I was committed to implementing and learning is the psychology of why people buy. And Ramit is big on that. He always integrates the psychological elements 
into him, his selling and into his products. And this is so much more important than most people think, or maybe how much time they dedicate to really understanding. But, you know, it's different with low priced physical products. So example, let's say you're saying a sweatshirt, saying you're selling, oh my Lord, it's a good thing we're winding down. If you're selling a sweatshirt, and just to stick with my Harry Potter theme, let's say it's a Hogwarts sweatshirt or whatever. Like I saw a sweatshirt, a Gryffindor alumni sweatshirt the other day. Well, I've clicked on enough Harry Potter stuff. It's why it's get showing up in my feed. I get that. And I either want a sweatshirt or I don't. It's not like a, oh, uh, you know, it's it's not like, am I willing to invest this $30? It, it's more of an impulse buy, truly. With online digital courses, coaching and consulting, you better be crystal clear about the pain your potential customer has and how you're going to solve it. And I will shout out to Jody because she's really helped me hone in on this. And, you know, we even looked at, we launched some new ads and we're, and we realized, oh, I think we're talking too much about the product and not enough about the pain. So we're going to edit some of that copy because the ad that did really well for us hit them over the head with the pain of having to produce a ton of content. And, and then we explained how we solved that. All right. But this is where learning and studying and practicing copywriting becomes invaluable because once you're able to speak to your audience about their pain and then present them with a solution, the rest is history. Not that you're done. It's quite the opposite, right? Once you start getting results, you can then go and look at those results. What worked? What didn't? How can I improve what I'm doing? And to the point of our purchase follow-up sequences that I mentioned earlier for Content Creators Planner. We did them right away. And then as our sales started scaling and w- we thought, okay, let, let's revisit these. Let's improve these. Let's make these better. But we did put them in place. So really, we're, we've got a couple new things that we'll be doing. But our goal is not to have like, you know, some monstrous brand. Uh, excuse me. That's not the truth. <laughs> the goal is not to have some huge store of different types of planners. That's That's not our goal for this. It's to fine tune the framework. We're going to do version two. We've got a content promotion course coming. So there's a handful of things that we're going to add, but the goal is to just do what we're doing better. So the fastest way, um, oh, backing up. Sorry, I skipped a sentence couple here. Um, So one of the things that you can do is ask yourself, what am I doing today to make the sale? What am I doing today to make the sale? And it's not comfortable because you realize how much you're not. How much of the work, the time and energy you're doing isn't towards making that sale? As of late, my answer for me has simply been closing Facebook to get the work done. I've got a lot of work to do right now. And so I have to decide where's the priority, where's the priority. And the fastest way to shift from service work to coaching, consulting, or courses is to sell. Find the pain point, create the solution, and then you sell it. So recently... um, in one of my conversations with my therapist, I should ask her if she'd ever be on the show. You guys can see how awesome she is. Anyway, um, we were talking about something. I honestly don't even remember specifically what it was, but she will feed stuff back to me. All right. If you were coaching, if you, if you were coaching a client, how would you do the X? Right. And so she reframed it. So it was specific to how I would coach somebody about money and income within their business. And my own answer sort of surprised me because at the end of the day, marketing is also a math equation. 
the more often you make an offer, the more likely you are to sell it. And obviously you have to put it in front of the right people. So let's let's not get crazy and nitpicky here, but you know what I mean. If you have an email list of non-buyers, get them off your list. Create a re-engagement campaign, get back into their inbox and let them either buy from you or unsubscribe. And if they're hanging out, that's okay. I mean, I told you guys, I was on Ben's email list for a year before I decided to subscribe to email players. And I don't anymore. And it's not because it's not valuable. I just, I know what I have to focus on right now. And so, you know, once you have then cleaned up your existing email list, then it's time to focus on creating a list of high quality subscribers, which truthfully is easiest if you start with an offer where you sell them something. Again, using the planner, we went straight with cold traffic to a sales page to a purchase. At $39, it's not something that requires a lengthy sales process. So we've done some lead generation and we'll do more direct lead gen in 2021. But we've also, like I said, we spent a ton of time creating purchase follow-up sequences that create the relationship and sell something else. So if we're going to do lead gen, you better believe there's still going to be something whether it's a planner or something else, but within that first five emails or on a thank you page or on an upsell, we'll get the lead and then we're going to make the offer and then we're going to make the offer. And if people don't like it, they don't buy it or they don't subscribe. It's that simple. But the truth is, you know, wouldn't you rather spend money to acquire a customer than a lead if you can do it profitably? Now, I'm not saying you can't acquire leads profitably. That's not my point, but it depends on where you're at in this journey. So if you can come up with something, and I'm sure you've seen them, I talked about it with uh, in our Creativity Published newsletter, there's something out there, people are calling them tiny offers, and they're $27 to $37. They tend to be template sets, or whether it's graphics or email templates or something, but it's this small, small offer, price point wise, that doesn't require a lot of thought for someone to just pull the trigger. And, you know, because a lot of people for 27 or 37 bucks, I'll go, all right, well, you know, I'll get it and I'll use it. I'll get what I can out of it, or I'll go back to it, whatever that case is. And we, for us, as an example, the planner, part of also why we, people get stuck with promotion, which is also the, I mean, I mentioned it, it's a course. Oh my gosh, you guys, I feel like I'm getting um, like rummy. Like, <laughs> I think I'm hitting my witching hour, but this is called no food and it's three o'clock. Um, but you know, we know that we, we know that we can profitably acquire customers. Now, how do we increase the cart value? How do we make, how do we get the next purchase in and what is that price point and what does that look like? So now that's what they, you know, often is referred to as the back end of the funnel or the bottom of the funnel. So keep those things in mind. And if, if you don't have something really stop to think, what are the pain points of my customers and my audience that if I could give them, and so here's a great example, and I, I could be really off on this. I'm thinking of Tess, who had this question, and I know her market, and she's done a lot of content and email, and a, a lot of, she r- creates content for her market, but I don't know, could an email sequence, could a set of email templates sell to that market? And again, I don't know her market well enough, but that's an example. Can you come up with something that you do well? She's a writer, she's a creator, so it wouldn't be difficult. That can be used as a template because then you could put that in front of them. And then on the back end, you've got that. And the other thing I want to stress is that you do not need the back end of the funnel built out to launch this. I'm just saying that right now. And if you don't have money for ads, which is what I'm referring to, obviously, with a lot of these tiny offers, then you have to go all in with 
showing up organically. You have to be creating content. You need to be pushing it socially. And I would pick one or two platforms that you can show up with, show up on and engage consistently. I love live streaming and stuff, but you don't see me doing it every day. Why? I don't want to. (laughs) I just don't want to. But when I do go live, people show up more. There are some people that I see going live every day and I just, I stop paying attention to them. I, I really do. I'm like, oh, they're live again. So you get to decide. There's also that kind of scarcity thing. And all of this stuff may feel icky or like it's ploys or whatever. You guys, there's, there are, there's so much data out there on why scarcity works in marketing, why, you know, limiting things or, or you know, whether it's price or time or spots or whatever it is, all of this stuff works because we're human beings. And this is how people buy. They buy based on emotion. They justify based on logic. So taking the time to understand that would be invaluable for you. So, you know, winding things up, believe it or not, I am winding this down here is you need to stop overcomplicating things. I do it myself today. As a matter of fact, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I've got ad copy to write. Oh, I've got to follow up with this. I need to, I've got two coaching calls and a connection call today. And then I've got to do this. And I, you know, and then I'm going to be in California next week for Thanksgiving. So it's like, ah, what do do I, I just, I made myself stop and I wrote this podcast post because this is my happy place. I thoroughly enjoyed doing it and I knew record it, get it done, which I love doing this also. But sometimes it's as simple as putting one foot in front of the other. And there are so many simple ways to grow and scale an online business. And I'm sorry if you hear one of the dogs is coughing or sneezing or something, but regardless of which method you choose, and I'm specifically referring to platforms or, you know, which social media platforms you want to be on, um, what type of content you want to create, you know, get your foundation built first, get your site up and there's always more tweaking to do. So minimum viable. If your site is up, then great. Make sure your messaging is on point and you know who you serve and the problems they have and how you can solve them. Drawing a line in the sand is not for everyone. I completely get that because I also know what it feels like to have money stress and it's hard to build something and feel excited when you have that pressure weighing on you. Your first priority then should be to figure out how much you need financially and start generating that revenue, period. Whether it's from an offer you put out or you find a part-time gig online where you can use the skill set you already have, but you know you'll be getting a set amount of money each month. If it's not a lot of money, then I would go all in with coming up with an offer that can relieve some of that stress because that's going to be quicker, right? If you have something that you can sell coaching or consulting and put it out there as beta, you, you guys, I also bought, uh, I've mentioned, uh, Vanessa Lau's boss Graham program, which is so much more than Instagram. She's it's a, it's a great product. I highly recommend the course. She's pretty amazing. Um, but one of the things she teaches is to go out there and get beta beta clients, beta and do it free. And she's got a whole system and a process for it. And I can't tell you how many people within two months are like, I got my first paid beta. I got my first paid beta. So there's plenty of ways to do this. Remember we, this is a global economy guys. So keep that in mind, but there are a lot of companies online that need support and service. And so I get meaning like customer service you could do like Zapier always seems to be hiring. 
Um, just one example, but there's a lot of software based online tools that are always looking for help. And it doesn't have to be a forever thing, guys. You know, I know we're still in COVID where it's the fall, it's stuff's going up here in the United States. So, but there are places, um, and maybe I'll do a whole episode on that with, um, gosh, what's it called? I'll try to put the, I'll remember to put the link in the show notes, but Tropical MBA is a podcast that I've been listening to for a long time. These guys were one of my first podcasts. They have a, a digital community called DC, I think a DC Insider. I don't actually, I could be quoting that wrong. But they also have, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on it, but they've got um, basically a company now that where people will post online jobs and you can apply to those jobs. So I'll share that resource too. But make sure having the financial stress pulled off is key. And look at what do I need? What do I not need? You know, I, I'm not here to be a, a financial coach or anything like that, or tell you what you should and shouldn't do. You know what your comfort level is. Um, but I do think that if you already have the skill set and an audience, create the most valuable thing you can think of that solves a real problem for your audience and start having conversations. Will it be easy? No, probably not. But I can guarantee you that it's going to be worth it. And it's something that you can put it out there. I love, I love beta. I really, really do. So the community that I, that's coming up, my coaching and mastermind, it's called just show up insiders and it's a beta and it's a six month program and I'm going to go hard with it for a month. So you guys might get sick of it, but you know, it is what it is. And so hopefully you'll see that I walk the walk is my point that it is simply going to be making, putting the offer out there, telling people to get on a call, schedule a call. I get on the phone and I'm going to tell you guys, I don't like being on the phone all the time, but people deserve that when they're making a better investment, a bigger investment. So there you have it. There you have it. I did kept it. All right. Just about an hour, which probably would have been less about the stories, but hopefully they were helpful. Um, I love you guys tons. You've got this. I believe this more than anything. If you want to stop doing service work, get really clear with yourself. The other thing you can do, I put this in the uh, last F the hustle newsletter, which if you go to the site, there should be a place to go to the blog. You'll see um, what is F the hustle and you'll, you'll, you'll see the newsletter there. But um, here's a little exercise to leave you with. And I love this because it was fun and it, it completely reframed my mindset and it was a what if game. And, uh, you know, I've been doing all this work with my therapist. So I thought I, I sat down with my, I have a journal and sometimes I write more often than not, I doodle and write. And so across the pages, I wrote, what if, and then I just proceeded to fill the pages with positive, what if up statements. So using this example, what if it was easy to sell a high ticket offer? What if it was easy to transition out of service work? What if my audience was waiting for me to offer something else? What if this is exactly what my market needs? This what if exercise guys will show you that it's possible. I mean, maybe it's not show you, but it's going to make you feel hopeful. And if the opposite is true, that it's hard, could the opposite be that it's easy? right? You got to play the the coin on both sides. And I know that I, I just said, um, is it going to be easy? No. Uh, I just mean, it's going to take time and energy and effort. And so it will require work on your part, but again, I promise you it's going to be worth it. So, um, until next time, you guys are fantastic. If you've not left a review, it would mean the world to me. 
or take a screenshot as you're listening on the phone, tag me. I am pretty much at Kim Doyle everywhere online now. So um, have a fantastic day and I'll catch you next time.